Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. So it's been a year since I launched this podcast into the internet with the hope and prayer that I was going to land in people's ears and be a benefit to caregivers like myself. So for the people who have listened from the beginning, you've probably been able to piece together the history of fading memories. So I thought I would put it all together in a quick little synopsis just because this is the anniversary episode. When my father passed away March 2nd, 2017, my sister and I had to put mom in a memory residence. That was the hardest day of my life and probably hers too. It was also very, very obvious that mom had been living with muscle memory, intuitive memory, very little rational memory for a lot longer than I had thought was possible. I tried really hard to find ways to connect with her to make our visits more enjoyable because it's very difficult to visit as it is. And when you have to answer the same question over and over and over, after 20 minutes, you're like, I have 500 things I need to take care of. She doesn't remember how long I've been here. Maybe I should just go. But that never felt right. I would visit mom. I would go home. I would jump on the computer and do a deep internet dive looking for ways to connect with her, ways to dive into the memories that she could still pull out. Now, probably she was at the stage that that wasn't really possible. But I wasn't aware of that. And what I tried were all of the typical suggestions, you know, try to connect with her through music and try to connect with her through old family albums and old family photographs. If you listened to the episode that came out on September 4th, 2018, it's titled Special Episode, What Do You Remember? That was actually the first episode I recorded. Now, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but I'll finish this thought. Those were recordings of mom and my visits, and I really didn't think it was something that you guys would all really be interested in because it didn't offer help or solutions. It wasn't even really, in my opinion, inspirational. To me, it was kind of a downer, and it also took hours to edit And I don't have hours every week to edit episodes. And by hours, I mean hours and hours and hours. It's like less than an hour episode, and it probably took me 20 hours to make it into something that I did eventually release. It was at that point I realized it was going to have to do something different. But how did I decide to even do a podcast? I mean, I could do a blog or write a book or just muddle through like most of us always do. I was an early adopter of podcast listening back before there were podcast players, and I would listen to podcasts on my computer while retouching portraits for my clients. 
Regular listeners know that my regular career is portrait photographer, but I am trying to transition into something more lucrative, which so far podcasting has not turned into that option yet. But I digress again. One day, while I was driving to the gym and listening to the latest in political news or true crime podcasts, I realized I needed to look and see if there was one on Alzheimer's caregiving because there was podcasts on everything else. There had to be that. Well, there were a few. In the last year, year and a half, there are more, including mine. The one that had been around the longest seemed really positive, but there was a lot of talk in the beginning on awards and recognitions, and there was two or three minutes of quote-unquote inspirational music that I did not find inspiring. And then about five to six minutes into an episode is when the host actually got started. Now, I know that I'm a busy person. And I knew people like many of you who do have their family members full-time, they probably don't have five or six extra minutes to listen to fluff either. And then there was the audio quality that just made it very challenging to listen to. So I thought, hmm, there's millions of family caregivers just in the United States, and I couldn't possibly be the one who found that this particular podcast was not to my liking. So I checked into what it took to become a podcast host and producer, and it's not that terribly difficult, and it's a whole lot more fun than I ever expected. So starting in January of 2018, I started trying to put together episodes. And as I said, the first one that I did not release as a first episode took so long to edit I thought, there's no way I could do this. And as mom declined, I knew that there wouldn't be a lot of conversation to record with her for future episodes. So I had to kind of pivot and do something different. I live in a small city in the San Francisco, California Bay Area. And I know lots of people through my business, my husband's business, because the two of us are Rotarians. So I started tapping into the knowledge base of the people around me. And there were some times I thought, oh my goodness, I'm I'm not going to have enough information for multiple seasons. But the goal for the first, quote, season, and I kind of thought that that would be less than 52 episodes, was to talk to people who were either recently diagnosed or whose family members were helping them with a new diagnosis, or family members who suspected that their loved one was having an issue, because that's where my knowledge was strongest. I have three generations of women in my mom's family with what I believe is Alzheimer's. My maternal great-grandmother had what was called at the time senile dementia, My maternal grandmother had no memory at the end of her life. There are a couple of possibilities as to why, one of which would be Alzheimer's, and one of which is the brain aneurysm that leaked for three months. And then there's my mom. Mom has younger onset Alzheimer's, and that is a diagnosis of Alzheimer's before the age of 65. 
Now, technically, mom was not diagnosed before 65, but when she was finally officially diagnosed, she flunked all of the memory tests with flying colors. She was already in the mid-stages at the time of her diagnosis, so she obviously had it prior to age 69. So, as I mentioned, the goal of my first, quote, year or season of podcasting was to help people like my mom at the beginning. And I started off my with my very first official episode on May 1st, 2018 with Pam Montana, another woman with younger onset Alzheimer's who is doing quite well managing her life with Alzheimer's. Now, I saw Pam on February 5th, 2019 at our State Advocacy Day, and I was absolutely shocked that she remembered me. She remembered me at the end of a very busy and tiring day, and she'd only met me one other time, the day that we met to record the episode. So what she's doing is helping her live as long as possible with as much mental function as she's got. She did have to retire prematurely from her job, which is sad, but she didn't do what my mom did. My mom never admitted she had a problem. She denied it, she hid it, and none of those things are helpful. So that's why I started the podcast. I wanted to help people like Pam and my mom and people like me who love people like them. So I interviewed trainers, nutritionists. I even talked to an actor turned author. And we're going to get into that in a little bit later. But it didn't take long into this podcasting journey to get positive feedback. I was on iTunes one day and noticed a review of the less than one month old show. It turns out it was someone who was a past client, and I didn't know that she'd been dealing with the same issues I was dealing with. That was a glorious moment realizing I had helped somebody so quickly. I'm pretty sure she's listening, so I want to give her a shout out and thank her for my very first review. There have been others, but that one is still special. Now, I've got some kind of interesting facts. Podcasters kind of live and die by the number of downloads. And one thing that I find really interesting, and you guys are all going to have to chime in and help explain this phenomenon. The episodes that I think are home runs, everybody's going to love this episode. The information is great. It's interesting. It covers the wide variety of people. Those don't generally get as much attention as I expect. And the ones that I'm afraid you guys are going to be like, oh, heck no, I'm not listening to that, are ones that you really like. So you can go to my website, fadingmemoriespodcast.com. There is a button on the right side of the page where you can leave me a voice memo and tell me, hey, what you like, what you don't like, what you need to hear, and maybe what you don't want to hear any more of. You can also send me a message on any of the social media platforms. All of them are linked in the show notes. I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So send me a message. That way I'm doing what you guys want. 
But there's some interesting facts that I think you guys might like to know about Fading Memories podcast. As I mentioned, there are over 16 million family caregivers like myself in the United States. But this is a podcast that goes out on the internet. I'm not limited to California or the United States. I kind of felt that my podcast audience were family caregivers anywhere where English is the main language. And that's pretty much where my audience is. Obviously, my number one number of listeners is in the United States. Number two is Australia. Number three is the United Kingdom, then Canada. And then it gets interesting because then we have India and Hong Kong and Sweden, Switzerland, Puerto Rico, and a smattering of other countries that don't have enough downloads for them to actually tell me which ones they are. So I found that really, really surprising. I'm assuming, since I have not traveled to any of the non-English-speaking countries listed, that they must speak English pretty well there. I actually have social media followers that also don't speak English, and that's pretty interesting when they comment on a post because I can't read it unless there's the translate button. It's kind of interesting and kind of exciting to realize that people all over the world actually listen to me. Kind of scary, but kind of fun, too. What's the first year been like? As I mentioned, my first actual episode was one that I recorded with mom in January of 2018 that I released on September 4th, 2018. And like I said, it took hours to edit, and it's also one of the higher downloaded episodes. So again, shoot me a message on what you like and what you don't, because that one really baffles me. It also confuses me why you guys like the long-term care insurance episode more than the one on canine caregivers. I mean, really? I was almost afraid to release the one on long-term care insurance because I was afraid you wouldn't listen just because of the topic, even though the information is super, super helpful. Of course, my highest downloaded episode is the one with Pam called Living with Alzheimer's. And that shouldn't be a surprise. It's She's a huge advocate. She was fascinating to talk to. If you haven't listened to it recently, go back and listen to it again. I listened to it again recently, and I was, I was amazed. My very first episode, I felt, was a home run out of the ballpark. One thing that's become really clear during this first year of podcasting is how large our supportive network truly is. Before joining my support group, which I did in November of 2017, which was prior to even having the idea of doing a podcast, I was all alone trying to figure out how to help my mom. Then this podcasting journey has put me in touch with so many people, almost all of whom have been on this journey of Alzheimer's care. Every one of their stories is unique, inspirational, and informative. I wanted to focus my first season, which I expected to be somewhere between 30 and 40 episodes, on early stages of the disease and prevention of the disease. As I mentioned, mom never admitted to having a problem, and I forgive her for that because life is a lot different in 2019 than it was in 2009, which was just before she was officially diagnosed, but she obviously was 
suffering from the effects of Alzheimer's by then. And it's very different from, say, 2001 or 2002 when I was pretty sure she had the same problem as her mom. How did I kind of come to that idea? You know, there were, there were obvious signs and then there were subtle signs. And I mentioned the one major one over and over, and I promise I'm not suffering from Alzheimer's that I'm aware of. We had a business together, and mom would frequently not put instructions on orders from clients down. And one day, she didn't put any information on the form other than their name and their phone number. And then when I asked her about it, she didn't recognize her handwriting. So that was prior to 2005 when we retired from that business. or They retired and I moved on and did my own thing. So I kind of feel like this is a good point to remind you of the 10 early warning signs of Alzheimer's. And one of these days I'm going to memorize all of them, but I'm, I'm getting closer. The first one is memory loss that affects daily life. Now think about that. You write yourself a note or you there's something that you do all the time and now it's becoming a struggle. Then there's changes in planning abilities or problem solving. That is one of the things that Pam was noticing is that she would have to take copious notes of meetings with her, her team, her staff, just to be able to remember what was discussed. And she was having a much more difficult time learning the new things. She worked at Intel, so it's technology, always changing. There's always new things. And she would go to classes and conferences and struggle tremendously to retain the information. And that was new. If it's not new, then don't worry about it. If you have difficulty completing daily tasks, we all get up, we all have a huge to-do list in our mind. Usually by dinner, we've knocked most of that to-do list off without having to constantly remind ourselves of what we need to do. So if you have difficulty tackling your daily life, something's going on. If you have confusion with time or place. Now, I personally think this is more of a later stage sign. It's not one I've ever seen in people in the early stages, especially my mom. She definitely has it now. She has no clue what time it is, what day it is, what season it is. It's, it's interesting, but it's also very sad. Trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. Now, it's very easy to assume that your loved one is having a problem with their vision. You might take them to the eye doctor. You might replace their prescription glasses. And that doesn't really solve the problem. My mom doesn't, she, her spatial processing is shot. And I was, I suspected that was the case, but it wasn't until we went to the neurologist and the neurologist put her through a, a test that it became very obvious that that was her problem. And now that I'm aware of it, it's really obvious if I point at something more than a foot in front of us, she doesn't generally land on what I'm trying to point out to her. So keep that in mind. If, you have, if you're starting to have serious vision issues, you might want to actually go to a neurologist. You can go to the eye doctor too, but keep in the back of your head that a sudden change in 
visual images and spatial relationships might be a brain issue and not a vision issue. Do you have problems with words in speaking or writing? Now, I'm really good at telling people that English is my second language and gibberish is my first sometimes because I trip over my tongue all the time. That's nothing new. It's been going on a long time, but it could be a sign that something's going on if it was a new issue or if I started calling something by an unusual name. My mom does that a lot. She will she will say, you know, be talking about something and say, well, the blah, 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 and I have to figure out what blah, blah, blah is because it doesn't usually mean what she's trying to talk about. One of the other early signs that's easy to dismiss and shouldn't, shouldn't be dismissed easily is misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps. Now, we all put things down and we forget where we put them. The other day, I took off my shoes someplace unusual. The dog carted one of them off. I still haven't found the second one. And I've retraced my steps where I think I might have taken my shoes off. Like I said, sometimes I kick them off in my office. There was some place I remember taking them off, but I don't remember where. That's normal. The dog moved them, so where I took them off might not be where the one shoe is left. But if you put something away and then you cannot remember where you put it away and you can't retrace the thought process or the steps of where you put this, your keys, or the mail, or these bills, or whatever, that's definitely not something to ignore. So, number seven is decreased or poor judgment. This one's a lot harder to notice in a family member unless it's a dramatic change. One of the things that is common, but not always... An obvious sign of a memory issue is falling for elderly person scams, like the telephone scams that are frequent. Or I've been getting very strange messages on Facebook from somebody that is allegedly somebody I know. It's her account, but I think it's been hacked. Of this person, absolutely positive that I have won something from Publishers Clearinghouse, and all I need to do is text this person, and here's their number. And I know it's not my friend because she's fine, but whoever is doing this account is really trying hard to get me to text this person. So those kind of things are something to be wary of. If your family member is sending money to all kinds of charities, falling for scams, you definitely get them evaluated and do everything you can to become a power of attorney on their bank account so that if they are having a problem, you can make sure that their bills are getting paid, you know, and they don't get the lights turned off or get kicked out of their house or anything that's like, that would just be the worst. Another early sign that is also kind of easy to ignore is withdrawing from work or social activities. Now, if you think about it, in your if you're having a problem processing conversation or being in a group of people is just too overstimulating and you kind of your brain feels like it's frying or you can't keep up with conversations or you can't keep up with the what you're telling your staff any of those kind of things it makes sense why somebody would be like 
pulling back a little bit and saying, well, I don't like going to big parties anymore. I'd rather just have small you know, group group of people here, or I don't like small groups here. I just want one-on-one friendships or anything along those lines that are different. If you if you step back and look and think about what it's like to have a brain that is not processing information quickly or correctly, it makes it difficult to deal with those of us who do have brains functioning properly, or at least as properly as brains normally function. And it's easier to withdraw and make excuses than it is to say, hey, I think I'm having memory issues. And the last one is changes in mood or personality. I also think that's more of a later stage, but when I look at my mom and the day I had to tell her, "Um, no, this order is, you took this order, this is your handwriting, and she looked at me and said, I don't want to end up like my mother. And she stomped off away from me. I thought, Ugh, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say here since murder is illegal and it's obvious you're going to end up like grandma. I just let the whole situation drop. I don't really know what I should have done in that situation other than dealing with the immediate issue, which was trying to figure out what was supposed to be done for the client but I really felt like I needed to do something for her and I didn't know what to do. I know what to do now, but I don't think she would have gone along with it then anyway, because as I said, she never ever admitted she had a problem. Then there's people like me, people with a very bad history in the family of memory loss. I have people all the time that kind of look at me and think, oh man, you know, you're in trouble. I almost sometimes get pitying looks because they're just afraid that I'm doomed to end up with Alzheimer's or dementia. And there's a lot of things we can do to prevent it, to prevent it from happening as, you know, prevent the happening, push it back later, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or to prevent the symptoms from increasing as rapidly as they do in some people. Like with Pam, A little less than a year later, she recognizes somebody that she met one time. She said she recognized me because my personal hashtag, which is ALZ podcast, was on my shirt. Now, I didn't have that shirt when I interviewed her. So, like I said, whatever she's doing, it's working for her right now. And I really strongly suggest you go back and listen to that very first episode with her Because when I listened to it again, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I remember that. And that's another thing that makes me really excited about this podcast is the information still holds up a year later. I might have to pull any episodes that actually turn out to not be useful anymore. But so far, I haven't had to worry about that. So what can we do? What can people like myself do? Well, you can adopt a healthy diet. Shocker. Is that always the answer to everything? I mean, seriously, I went on a quest to lose 100 pounds because I had a photography client who was a doctor who said, oh my gosh, you have a family history of diabetes, that was on my dad's side, and you're very overweight, you're screwed. Well, it's my personality to go, ha, screwed, I'll show you, and I did. It took a lot of energy and a lot of determination to find the thing that worked. 
and I have kept off almost all of that weight, turning 50 and dealing with all of this drama with my father and his death and mom and the memory care. It didn't help, but it's getting better. Staying physically active. I've done two episodes on exercise and brain health. The second one was because that same guest was, he, he said, hey, I've published this article about obesity and Alzheimer's. I think we should jump on and, and do a podcast episode about it. And who am I to say no? I never know if I'm ever going to have enough guests. And then it turns out 10 more come out of the woodwork for me. But I knew it was also a really important topic because if you're like me, you read every article on how to prevent Alzheimer's or the latest Alzheimer's research or anything about the brain and memory loss and Alzheimer's or dementia. So I knew what he was saying was truth. So we did two episodes on maintaining a healthy body weight and eating healthy and exercise and how that helps your brain. Now, I talk to people sometimes about mental push-ups. Now, obviously, it's kind of hard to do a brain push-up. I haven't figured out how to do it physically. But dynamic learning is kind of the equivalent of a mental brain push-up. It's learning anything that takes concentration, you know, like scrunched up face, really thinking, really listening, and then having kind of an aha moment. That's what I've gotten through podcasting and learning how to navigate social media to promote the podcast. And that's definitely a good thing for my brain. So two points for me on the learning how to podcast, being healthy, and helping you guys learn how to continue having healthy brains. And the last way to have a healthy brain is to stay mentally and socially active. If you're just bumming every night in front of the TV, you know, Netflix and chill or watching the same old shows, doing the same old stuff and and not hanging out with interesting people, you're really, you're kind of boring your brain to death and you don't want to do that. I'm not a super social person. But, you know, there is walking the dogs with my neighbors who are also our friends or talking to the gals at the gym before and after class and, you know, engaging with that new Rotarian who's just recently joined. It's not difficult to stay socially active. You know, you don't have to be going to parties all the time. You just want to meet and talk to different and interesting people, which I also get to do through the podcast, which is really exciting. One of the things starting this podcast, I was determined to help you guys. I was hoping to get some insight and some information, but I kind of thought that would come from researching various guests and and, and tracking new, new guests down. But I didn't expect that I would learn so much from each guest and how much that has helped me take care of my mom. The more episodes I create, the more I find the information that I almost forgot I was looking for. I've started to build up a pretty good library just from the books I've gotten from guests that I've spoken to. If you haven't done so already, please check out the Alls authors. They have over 100 authors who have written books on Alzheimer's. Some are how-to, some are novels, some are anthologies. There are even books for kids. 
It's a great place to go when you're looking for more in-depth help. The other place to go is the Alzheimer's Association's website, which is alz.org. Did you know that they have a 24-7 hotline? That phone number is 800-272-3900. When you need some help in the middle of the night or on a holiday or just another Thursday, give them a call. Make sure to tune in here weekly because my guests also share everything with me and with you. You won't be starry if you listen to every single episode. Now, I mentioned that you guys don't always find my favorite episodes to be your favorite episodes. And again, send me a message. There's lots of ways to get in touch with me. One of my favorite episodes was one that I did not too long ago, back in February. And I talked to a gal named Janice Swink. I stumbled upon her on Twitter. She is a younger woman. She is 66 years old, and she is living with dementia. Now, that probably wouldn't have necessarily gotten my attention as quickly as it did. What Janice does is advocate for the proper treatment of people living with dementia or Alzheimer's. She also makes dancing videos that she posts on Twitter and Facebook to bring awareness to the fact that people living with dementia or Alzheimer's are not just little zombies to stick away in the back room that they can still do a lot of things and they still have feelings and emotions. And I love watching her videos. And there was recently one that somebody else put together. It was a compilation. And seeing a whole bunch of them put together was fantastic. Her episode, again, sorry, was one of the long ones. When we first started talking, I thought, well, I'm going to be lucky if I get 15 or 20 minutes out of this gal because it it started off a little slowly and she kept bumping her phone on her walker. So if you've listened to that episode and you hear this like super annoying noise, that's what that was. But she got on a roll and I didn't think I was going to get her to stop. She talked and she said all kinds of things about what it's like to live in a dying brain. Now, that's not how she referred to it, but that's exactly what's going on. She talked about her scent hallucinations and her visual hallucinations and her challenge with balance, but she also talked about her challenges with dealing with the general population. Now, she's in Kentucky, and I don't know that this is specific to any one area, but she has dealt with a lot of negative attitudes. When she uses her walker, people get out of her way. When she uses the electric scooter, people look at her like she's some sort of lazy bum that just needs to get over whatever her issue is, which I'm sure she'd love to do. Because I had to split it into two episodes, the second half has not gotten as much listen as the first. And you're definitely going to want to tune into the second half because that's when Janice started getting really funny. And there's a very funny comment towards the end that got us both cackling and laughing just like crazy old ladies. And that's one of the things that's really exciting is I've touched her life. She's touched mine probably much more than I've touched hers. I watch her videos and comment on them. And the other day, I thought, you know, 
This is kind of a sad and morbid thought, but I want to be there for her funeral. I want to be there for what she told me she wants when she's gone. And that's where the funny comment comes in. I'm going to make you listen because it's well worth Another one of my favorite episodes was the one titled An Alzheimer's Love Story. And that was where I talked to the author of Blue Hydrangeas. She wrote this novel based very, very loosely on an experience that she'd had with someone that she had cared for as part of her career. And it's a beautiful book, and it was also one of another one of my most popular episodes. And it's one of the things I've talked to these authors about is my desire to write a book. And I have mentioned it a few times that I know the idea is marinating in the back of my brain. And when the right idea becomes obvious, then I'll know the direction that I need to go. So you guys can kind of maybe look forward to that, but I have no idea at what point that will happen. I've tried to include family in some of the episodes because why not? They're involved with this just as well. I haven't found the right one for my sister, but I do keep that in the back of my head. I tried with one and it didn't work quite as well as I had thought. And between her job and her kids, she's super busy. So it's going to have to be the exact right episode. But I did have one with my daughter. It was on the Millennial Caregivers. And that is not an audience that I had even thought about. It hadn't crossed my mind. I assumed that people caring for someone with dementia or Alzheimer's is at least 52 like myself or generally older. I know that I am one of the youngest people in my support group unless a child or grandchild comes with the main caregiver. So it was very interesting to hear their story and how they function, which is very different from how I function or somebody who's 20 years older than myself functions. So that's definitely a great episode to listen to because it'll also give you a different perspective and maybe some good ideas on how to arrange care that doesn't completely overtake your life. Since you guys really like the episodes where I just talk at you, which I really don't understand, I can't possibly be that interesting. If you haven't listened, or you haven't listened in a really long time because it did happen in the end of September, beginning of October, was the episode of where I talked to the podcaster Psychology in Seattle. Originally, we were going to talk about how to talk to kids about Alzheimer's, or what was wrong with grandma, and somehow it became kind of a therapy session with myself, which I didn't mind at all. It was actually really interesting, and I'm pretty sure you guys would like that one if you haven't heard it yet. To be honest, it's hard to put my finger on a quote-unquote favorite episode because everybody I've talked to has been generous and fun and informative, and I feel inspirational. I know I always get some good feedback and ideas from my guests, and I hope you do too. So I thought, let me take a minute and tell you guys what's coming up. This is actually stuff that's ready to edit and be released to the world, I have a tendency to record and about a month in advance, just in case somebody's schedule goes bonkers 
and I end up having to do something different. I got to a point where I was recording, release, record, release, and that was very stressful. And I got hooked up with the All's Authors around Thanksgiving, talked a whole bunch of them into doing interviews with me about the first week of December because I knew second, third week of December I was probably going to strike out on getting guests lined up. And a lot of those came out in January and February. So that's kind of a little behind the scenes on how far in advance I do this. So some of the things that are coming up in May and into June is art therapy for older adults, which was really interesting and it's definitely got some good ideas. They, I did try a couple things with my mom. If you follow me on social media, especially if you tune into my Instagram stories, I do post on Tuesdays an update of what my visit with mom that week was like. And I'm starting to get a little bit more personal in those stories, so I think you guys would probably like that, even though I'd rather just post clips of shows and be done with it. But I try to do what I think you guys would like. And then I talked to the author of Dear Clueless, which was also really interesting because it wasn't just her that felt clueless. It was her mom. And I know you'll get a lot of good information out of that one as well. Then there's forgetfulness. Is it a loss of memory or a loss of language skills? Now, that was a really fascinating conversation. The theory this gal has is that your loved one does not forget you. They lose the language skills to articulate your relationship. Now, that is not the case for my mom. And... Prior to talking to this guest, I did ask my sister, does mom remember you? And she said, yeah, up until about two weeks ago, she was even using my name. Now, I can't remember the last time my mom used my name or any of her pet nicknames for me, which is kind of a bummer. And it's not a loss of language skills, although mom has definitely lost a lot of those. The person that my mom has in her memory as her oldest daughter does not look like the person that's standing in front of her claiming to be her oldest daughter. If, you, if you've listened to this whole episode, you'll know that I lost 100 pounds. So that happened as her memory got worse and worse. I can't possibly imagine what it's like to have somebody that doesn't look like your child tell you, yeah, this, hi, mom, it's Jennifer, blah, blah, blah. So I find that really interesting, but it was, an, it was a very interesting conversation, and I'm sure that many of you have loved ones whose potential forgetting of you is actually a loss of language skills. So definitely, you know, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so that you get a notification when that one comes out. And then let's see. You guys really loved the episode on long-term care insurance, so you're going to really, really love the Medicare Demystified. I really liked that one. I am not anywhere close to Medicare age, but because I take care of mom, there are a lot of questions I have, and the Medicare people won't talk to me because I refuse to do their representative payee. And in the episode that you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear why I don't do that. And then there's one that I recorded before the end of the year, and I'm really embarrassed to admit this, 
And I've checked multiple times in the episode feed, but there's one called Caregiver Pathways. And that's a really interesting conversation. A gal in Sacramento, California has started a 5013C charity where people in the early stages of dementia and their partners will have the opportunity to go out and do things in the community that give them self-worth, going to an animal shelter and maybe bathing the animals or brushing the animals or whatever needs to be done that day, and then petting the puppies or uh, going to a local farm and helping pick vegetables or fruit off the trees, and then maybe having a picnic, going to a minor league baseball game. A lot of the adult day programs are very crafty, game-oriented, which is fine, but not all men want to do that kind of stuff, and her program definitely focuses on things that would appeal to men in the early stages of memory loss. And when I was researching what I wanted to talk about for this episode, I looked back and went, how could I have forgotten to post that? It's all ready to go. And I'm really embarrassed that somehow it slipped through the cracks. So that one's definitely coming up and it's kind of good timing because I'm going to connect back with her and go on one of these outings, and I will report back to you guys probably in a little bonus episode. And then there was the gal that I talked to just this week. It was preserving the skills in people with memory loss, also known as the Dawn Method. And I was really excited to talk to her because she is one of the few guests that could address the later stages of Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of conversation about me and my mom and our visits and how to make them better. She is sending me her book, which when this comes out, I'm sure I will have, and I'm going to read through it. It's a bit of a training manual from what I understand, and I want to take her methodology and apply it to my visits with mom and see if they get better. And then I'll definitely report back to you. So it's like a little book report and mom update all in one. And lastly, I did a bonus episode. There was a prior guest, um, actually the Blue Hydrangeas author, went on an Alzheimer's cruise. Now this cruise was geared for um, people in the early stages and their care partner It was a way to have enjoyable experiences together. They had little conferences in the morning on all kinds of topics, you know, like what I bring to you. A lot of the authors from All's Authors were there. They had a lot of books that they got to give away. It was just a really fantastic trip for everybody involved. It's something that's on my bucket list. And when I saw that Marianne had gone on it, I shot her an email and said, hey, you want to jump online and and give me an update? And she really did a good job on that. So uh, that will also be coming out next month in May. I guess I realize this is April 30th when you're hearing this the first time. There's a lot of really great stuff planned. And hopefully I can continue. I've got things that I'm working on, but they're... They're not coming together very easily. Way back in the early, early months of the podcast, my very first reviewer 
said, hey, I'd really love an episode on how to take away the keys. Well, there are good videos on the Alzheimer's Association website, and I hope she's looked at those because I have run around in a circle trying to make that episode happen. I'm currently working with our chief of police, actually not the chief, but one of the higher ranking officers and my neighbor who is a motorcycle officer here in town to get together and have that actual discussion. It's been like pulling teeth. I need to to bug him again. I'm trying not to be too big a pest because, you know, he's busy, he's got kids and a wife and a job and you know, he's doing me a favor, but he's also doing the community a favor and trying to hook up two police officers and myself together is just not not been easy. So hopefully that will happen. And I will continue looking for topics that I think are very useful. And you all are going to send me what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. So it'll year two should be really interesting. So in an effort to make this not one of my super long episodes, I am going to sign off for this week. But first, I want to thank everybody that's been a regular listener. I want to thank new listeners, and I would thank everybody who's left a review and everybody who has shared this podcast with other caregivers that they're aware of. I look forward to bringing you more and more information, and I will try and do at least one personal episode a quarter since you guys seem to enjoy those. That is, unless you tell me different. So thank you very much. And I will be in your ears again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please take a moment and give us a positive rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how new listeners find us. And I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist. 